0: This is what is the vibe going to be recording at the not just the end of the day but ca- the end of the work week as yeah, opposed to in the morning towards the beginning of the work week could be a very you could th- be a you have very more, different vibe
1: more mental clarity in the end of the day or the beginning
0: um
1: when's your your peak period
0: I think in the morning for creativity this could get squirrely <laughs> There's no telling what version of me we're gonna get. is what <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to warn you for. Who's keeping me on track? Who's keeping me on the rails? Whose job <laughs> is it to watch me today?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling some responsibility here. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to week two of our series in the book of First Peter. This week we get to build on the foundation of what it means to find our identity in Christ and continue the conversation about what that looks like as it drives our activity. Well, Rick, I'm so glad to be back getting to talk about another week in our First Peter series and wonderful week two message
0: all right. Hey, I appreciate you saying that. I Listen, I love this book, and, and I hope at the very least that, that my passion for uh, the New Testament book of First Peter, or better stated that the letter of First Peter is coming out for others. And, and I think I said last week that my goal was that uh, I'd be able to share with other people things that have been encouraging to me, because I want it to be encouraging to mm-hmm. them. I just think this book is a treasure chest of good stuff for
1: mm-hmm. us. Yeah, treasure chest for sure. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Listen, I stumbled first, and then now you stumbled. Don't
0: follow my lead.
1: <laughs> well, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Right? Okay, I feel flattered.
0: <laughs> All right, so All right. where are where are we in this conversation?
1: Well, just even amused. I, I was so excited for this message because it's been kind of funny listening to you preparing this past week. I, uh, you know, for people who don't have the joy of sharing an office with us, they may have not gotten to hear the number of times that there were shouts coming from your office. <laughs> not like angry, not
0: like angry shouts, but like sometimes what's in my head comes out my mouth and I didn't realize <laughs> it, and then everybody else has to let me know.
1: So yeah, just like you can be rather vocal at times, and it's it's highly amusing. Thing. But uh, but I loved it when you walked by my office and you said, "There's so much I want to say in this, and I don't have enough time yep. to say it." I, I,
0: you know what? that's the, that's the way God's word is, isn't it? Yep. You can read it your whole life, and you never run out of insights and things that you're learning. And that's yeah. I think that's part of the gift of the Holy Spirit and part of His work of uh, of illumination is He keeps showing us more and more and more of the richness yes. that's available in His word. So
1: absolutely, yeah. and First Peter is a book that both of us have enjoyed for a long, long time. Um, I had had the pleasure of getting to teach it in women's Bible study, and it's amazing how the things that you pulled out in this are so um, complementary, but different from from sure. what I had focused on. and And we have questions in our small group material that t- touch on some other points too. And it's just it's beautiful, like you say, in God's word, it's just unlimited in the number of things that we could pull out of it.
0: All right, so like me, you're geeking out over First <laughs> Peter. So, what are some of the things that you're thinking about? What do you want to dive in and talk about?
1: Well, there's all kinds of things, but I think it's probably most relevant to talk about the the sermon content, because I've got lots of questions... Uh, based on what you talked about there that I think would be fun to continue the conversation a little bit further and uh, and to go into that. Um, I I thought it was really helpful how you fleshed out a little bit more of this concept of identity for us. Hmm. And um, lest anyone think that maybe we're spending a little bit too much time focused on ourselves rather than on God, I was reflecting on how crucial it is for us to have a really good understanding of our identity, Mm -hmm. especially given the thesis that we have for this series: if our identity drives our activity,
0: mm-hmm. we have to know who we are in Christ. We sure do. And it's not about it's not about emphasizing ourselves. You can't understand your identity in Christ without looking to Jesus. We are beholding Him. We're marveling at Him. And when we're under, so. <clears throat> It's kind of like this. So if I'm understanding my identity, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm a co-heir, I'm I'm, I'm chosen. That all comes by first looking at Jesus, Mm -hmm. because anything that I have is only because of what's true of him and what he's accomplished for me Mm -hmm. and and for you and for anybody else who's trusted in him and given him their allegiance. So when we talk about our identity, we're really engaging in worship Mm -hmm. because we're not focusing on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're focusing on Jesus and we're delighting in and resting in what he has given to us and yes. we simply receive it by faith.
1: It's such an important aspect of our discipleship mm-hmm. to focus on this, to understand it. It's one of these questions that either we are wrestling with it, or we should be wrestling with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you.
1: <laughs> we should either understand it or we're seeking to apply it. Sure. And if we're not thinking about it, then this is a great opportunity for us to to stop and ponder that a little bit further.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. I'm there with you.
1: Um, one question that came out of this was you'd spoken a lot last week about our security, our significance, and our satisfaction. Yep. And now focusing a little bit more this week on identity. For anyone who maybe is trying to put those concepts together, do you want to, to clarify a little bit about how the three S's? correlate with the way that we're defining identity?
0: Yeah, here we go. So when we talk about significance, we're talking about our value. We're talking about what is it that makes our life worth living? Where do we get our sense of self-worth? And... That all of that is tied up in what we're talking about in significance. When we're talking about security, uh, we're talking about the thing that's going to protect us, the thing that makes that safe. And everybody wants a kind of significance that's not going to slip through their fingers, that's not going to be taken away from them. And then we're also looking for satisfaction. We're, we we want to be we want to be fulfilled. We need a we need a foundation. We need something that at the end of the day we can rest on. And even if everything else is shaken loose, this. This right here is gonna, is gonna make sure that we're okay and we're not missing out. And these three things come together to answer, what is it that gives us our sense of self-worth? What protects that? And whatever I had to do to be able to get significance, it was all worth it. It's mm. so uh, everyone is looking for that. I believe absolutely everybody is w- looking for that and striving for that and, 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 and searching it out in life in a variety of ways. But ultimately, if we have come to faith in Christ, then what we've discovered is he is our significance and our security and our satisfaction mm. when we talk about identity the, the the discipleship question that we have attached to that is what is the story I'm telling myself about myself? Do I understand that I'm significant because of who Jesus is and what he did for me? Mm. Do I understand that I am shielded and all that I have by him from him is shielded by God's power? And and do I understand that 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 is fixed and it's secure, and I'm utterly fulfilled by what Christ has for me? And even if, like I used this expression before, if everything else is shaken loose, even if there is pain given to me that's unjust, or there are good things that's taken from me for unjust reasons, especially because I'm being treated that way because of my allegiance to Jesus— do I understand that I I'm still satisfied in Him with what Peter called an inexpressible joy, mm,
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: this is how all of that interrelates together.
1: Mm. Thank you for for expanding your thoughts on that a little bit. So again, just to to keep it clear and mm-hmm. and on the the foundation of that. Again, well, that to- feels
0: like an illusory call. <laughs> 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 We're always striving for clarity. So let me see if I. So can So
1: again, it. repeat how we are defining. Finding our identity.
0: That's right. So we, the way that our church is committed to talking about this is this. Identity is, I find joy in defining myself by what Jesus did, not what I do. Mm-hmm. And we attach a discipleship question to that. What's the story I'm telling myself about myself?
1: Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit more. You you gave some examples, both from Peter and Peter's own life, as yeah. well as, as a friend of yours, Tullian Chavidian, yeah. about people who have, have had great failure in their life and yet their security in Christ is just as strong as it ever was. That that's not the kind of thing that uh, that risks this inheritance that First Peter talks about.
0: Yeah, for those who who listen to to the message, and I and I talked about Tully and Tavision, and I can understand, especially in this climate where people are like, I can't believe that you would use him as an example, but he's an example of exactly what we're talking about. Is that no matter what our low points might be, that does not affect our security in Christ if we have trusted in Christ. And and here's something that that I heard him say one time, and it stopped me dead in my tracks, and I've never forgotten it," he said. "If you can't hold out the possibility that your greatest moral failure is in front of you, mm. you don't understand the gospel. If you well, think, if you think simply because you believe in Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus, somehow you're inoculated against or you're immune against doing, ma- making a just a devastating moral choice, you don't understand who you are. Mm. You don't understand sin, and you don't understand what it means to be secure in Christ. My security in Christ." Uh, is not based on 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 the strength of my moral fiber if it mm. was i am in trouble mm. and that's a uh,
1: very humbling statement
0: absolutely and there are some heroes of the faith that i have who have some things and their stories that are very difficult to reconcile with the gospel and the truth is they cannot be reconciled with the gospel mm. but the good news is is that all of us are reconciled to jesus based on what he did
1: mm-hmm.
0: not what we do. And so when we look at somebody and we're like wait a second, how could this giant, this hero of the faith from the past have owned human beings and engaged in selling them? Mm-hmm. You can't reconcile with the gospel mm-hmm. that with the gospel. But that person can be reconciled because of Jesus. There are other heroes of the faith that I have that they had they had secret affairs that they never repented of. How do you reconcile that with the gospel? You can't but that person can be reconciled to Jesus because of what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. If you knew my, if you like if you had un, un, unfiltered, unfettered access to my life, there are probably a couple of things you'd come away with, you'd be like, Rick really does believe the gospel. And then you'd say, <laughs> I don't know if Rick really does believe the gospel. <laughs> and like, you, if, like, if you could know all the things about me, like, I don't know if I can handle that, I only need Jesus knowing all those things. But mm-hmm. if you could know all the things about me, you would say, Rick, how do you reconcile these things with the gospel? I would say, I can't. Mm-hmm but i'm reconciled simply because of what jesus did yeah. not what i do and every single one of us needs to come to that point it's we are not we are we are, we are not being casual about sin we're not saying that it's no big deal it is grievous mm. it is heavy it hurts us it hurts other people. It's a violation of love for God. It's a violation of love for people. Um, it's a violation of His love for us. Every time that we sin, sin is a big deal, yeah. and we're not we're we're not being casual about it. We're not sloughing it off. But what we're trying to emphasize is just how amazing grace is. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. And when you know that, let's, let me come back to, to to that uh, second to the last sentence in the in the letter of First Peter, First Peter five twelve this is the true grace of God, stand fast in it. When we know that, it gives us the courage that we need to be able to stand up and stand firm and stand fast, even in those moments when standing isn't easy. So th- I want to make a big deal out of this. Yeah. And so when we see it in this light, we recognize we're not putting the spotlight on ourselves. We're just putting the spotlight on Jesus.
1: Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. But, if, can I just and, say but this? But here's the but. Well, okay, you'll, I'll let you say it. You'll, you'll and let then me keep going. You'll
0: let me keep going. Give me just, give me just a second. <laughs> For anyone out there who's wondering, is this a merge? Is this a merge of pop psychology with Christianity? Is this like trying to blend pop psychology and theology? I don't think so. There are there have been um, a long line, a long line of really uh, devout. Um, high-minded believers who have been talking about this kind of thing. Uh, recently, I shared with you something that I wanted to squeeze into the message, I just didn't have time to squeeze into a message. There's a um, long dead theologian named um, Herman Bavinck who, who talked about, these are, these are the questions that grip us. Instead of saying, who am I? He said, what am I? What is this world and what is my place in it? Mm. And for him, the answer was, it's a revelation and all revelation points to Jesus. Mm. And so this is the kind of stuff, what we're talking about is the kind of stuff that that believers have been wrestling with for a long time, that theologians have been wrestling with for a long time. This is the stuff of the gospel.
1: Okay, so I wanna get practical on you here a little okay. bit, because okay. Peter had this incredible opportunity to walk at Jesus's side, mm-hmm. to sit down and learn from him directly. And yet, as you pointed out, he's the one who failed to to even acknowledge that he knew Jesus, who mm-hmm. who saw Jesus' power, and yet he took matters into his own hands to try to, to control situations. Um, I love the phrase that you used. You, you talked about Peter, when stressed, when under duress, went back to trusting in himself mm-hmm. instead of trusting in Jesus. So it seems like it's okay for us on one hand just to know this or give mental assent to it, mm-hmm. But how do we get this from our head down into our heart so that when we are stressed, when we are under duress, we truly can live out a life that reflects that we trust Jesus?
0: Yeah. You know, I think I grew up in a church culture. Let me see if I can answer this question well. I grew up in a church culture where I walked away with this understanding. Whether it's what people intended for me to walk away with or not, this is what I walked away with. Man, if I, if I really get this, I will behave better. And I won't. I won't make bad choices. And I won't sin. I don't think. I don't think that's what I was supposed to walk away with. I think what I was supposed to walk away with, if I if I know the gospel and I believe it, if it's really made its way into my mind, really made its way into my heart, I will more quickly repent. And okay. Are you with me?
1: Well, I'm with you totally, and you're messing with my brain a little bit right okay. now. Okay, all right. So let's keep right. processing this. All right.
0: Now I'm committed to obedience. The whole point. We try to make a big deal. The whole point is we're supposed to be obedient to Jesus. He's holy. We're in Him. Not only are we given the status of holy, we're supposed to be holy. But really, when I get the gospel, I think one of the one of the indicators that I get it is I repent more quickly, as I don't hide from my sin, I don't hide it from others. And I don't try to masquerade in in religious and moral performance as I just come to do this. And I talk to him about it. I pray about it. And I turn from it because I know that doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. It's serious. It's serious business. And we're not casual about it. But that doesn't define me. So I'm quickly coming back. So some people have talked about it like this. I messed up. I hope my dad doesn't find out. My dad's going to kill me.
1: Mm.
0: Or I messed up. I need to call my dad. Like, which is mm-hmm. our which is our approach? Like when we know who we are, mm-hmm. when we know who we are, we, this is our attitude with our heavenly Father. Man, I messed up. Man, I blew it. I better call my dad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One time I was driving down the road with my kids, and and I wanted them to understand. I wanted just, I wanted them to understand the gospel through this lens. And I know for whatever reason I'm going off rails here. Whatever reason, um, God has hung His reputation on my reputation as a dad, and so my kids see. See our heavenly Father through me as their dad, and so I, I, so I'm trying to get them there to this. And we're driving down the road, and I said, "Kids, let me ask you something. Let's say, let's say I just did something really dumb. Let's say I drank to the point of intoxication, and I put my car in the ditch. If people found out, I could lose my job. I would be really embarrassed. I could get a ticket. I could go to jail. Who should I call?" And my daughter was like, "You call me. I will come and pick you up, Dad." Mm. And I said, well, this is what I want you to know. Whenever you are in the worst situation you could imagine, I want you to call me.
1: Mm.
0: And then building on that, that's how God wants us to look at him. When we are at the worst situation, just to turn that we are safe in him because of what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. And so when we get that, we'll quickly say, oh, I messed up. I blew it. I can call my dad because I know he's there for me. Mm -hmm. So we're not discounting sin. We're not saying that it's no big deal absolutely. Obedience is huge. And if we're growing in our relationship with Christ, we understand who we are in Christ. One, sin is going to lose its luster because we are going to be captivated by the beauty of Christ and all that he's given us. And we are going to want to be holy because we understand what it means to be holy because we're better understanding him. And yet we're going to sin. And one of the indicators that we understand the gospel is we are more quick to repent Mm -hmm. because we know we're safe in him and we don't have to hide from it.
1: Okay, like everything you just said there, but let me let me continue to, to drive it down a little bit further. Okay. Do you think that as a Christian matures in their faith, in their walk with Jesus, that that there are higher expectations of behavior? Does does God kind of like a parent expects more out of an eighteen year old than, than we do out of an eight year old? Is there a point where God's saying, Okay, We should be a little bit further down the road, and and there should be a little bit more evidence of sanctification in one's life?
0: Absolutely. There should be more evidence of sanctification. I mean, there there were times the Apostle Paul said, listen, I'm having to go back and cover remedial information. You're drinking milk, and you should be eating meat. We should be past this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's fair to expect with it that we should be be further along. And yet, guess what? (laughs) It doesn't do anything to affect our significance and our security in Christ.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I want to pivot now to uh, the, this is oh, this is why that's you important. Never like me to pivot.
0: <laughs> okay, you get pivot, but let me say this. So, if there's someone who's saying, you know what? Because the past couple of weeks, I've, I've mentioned um, the Bible Project as a resource becoming uh, students of the Bible of, Project of, of the Old Testament. What if? What if someone from our church, who's been in our church for years and years and years, and everybody thinks that they're a mature follower of Jesus, and they came and said, listen, I don't really know the Old Testament that well, and I wanna study, and I've been afraid to tell people because mm-hmm. I feel like I should have been further along. I don't, want, I don't want the nasty narrative of shame or embarrassment mm-hmm. or anything to ever cause anybody to feel less significant or not safe, not only with Jesus, but with us. I want mm-hmm. people to say, listen, maybe I should have been further along, but I'm not, I wanna dig in.
1: Mm. I'm glad you said that because it's actually not infrequent that someone will say something to that effect to me. And I love it when they do because Mm -hmm. that's when real growth can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, now is it my turn to it's change It's your it? turn, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said I was going to follow your lead. I'm not doing very good at keeping That's my promise All right,
1: it's fun both ways. Um, so one of my favorite things about First Peter 1 is some of the threads of suffering hmm. and the purpose in it. And you made a statement in the sermon that on one level I think I understand, but I still feel like there's more that you can unpack there for me. And it was this idea... Um when suffering you, you asked the the flinching worthy question it makes me flinch. Yes. Yeah. Am I willing for Jesus to display his glory against the backdrop of my pain?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Talk a little bit more about that. What what is well, that? Well, I feel look like you're like? the
0: one who should talk about that that more. You've you've shared your story a bunch on this podcast and in messages and investing and in, in other people. Um, I mean, we you know what that's that's like. It's here's this pain. It hasn't devastated me, but about as close as you can get to devastation, I got it, right? Mm -hmm. Am I willing for Jesus to use that to show off how good he is and how kind he is and how loving and great he is so that, one, I can better understand and other people can see it?
1: Mm -hmm. We'll start start with the first part of that, the, the am I willing part, Yeah. because do you feel a temptation at times to hide that? To hide what? The potential for Jesus's glory to shine through.
0: I don't talk to me about that a little more. I want to make sure that I'm that I'm understanding. The well, question. I was
1: intrigued just by the the mm-hmm. phrase of it of the am I willing to let this happen? Yeah, because I guess so often I've seen I've I've maybe even gone to the other side of that like mm-hmm. by by trying to find Jesus's glory and that gives suffering meaning, and I yeah. might even be quicker to try to reach for that. Than so need be.
0: let me talk through this and will you give me permission to stumble through it? Sure. Okay. I hope everybody else gives me permission to <laughs> to, to stumble through it. I don't think it's my responsibility to find Jesus's glory. He's going to show off his glory. Am I willing to trust him? That's mm-hmm. really that's really am mm-hmm. I just am I am I willing to to trust him? So um so i've had the privilege of being in pastoral ministry for over 20 years now and in that time um one of the things i love i love listening to pastors who are older than me and for a long time that was easy and i guess still <laughs> that's, that's 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 pretty easy but uh, i love hanging out with old pastors i love reading um older guys and guys who who came who came before us and there's a common thread the common thread and a lot of their perspective is if god's going to use someone they've got to go through hurt.
1: Mm-hmm. God
0: just doesn't, he tends to not use people in significant ways who haven't hurt significantly. And I wish that I was, I wish I better understood that. I wish I was better able to talk about that. I don't think that I am. I just know that I've experienced it. I think some of the most profound connections I've had with people and and the times where I've been able to help them connect with Christ has been in the context of deep, deep pain in my own life,
1: mm-hmm. oh, God that did that. Even with His own Son, He was perfected. Yeah. He was He mm-hmm. learned obedience through what He suffered. That's right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right, man. And there is a. <laughs> it's how, how do you wrap your mind around that? Mm-hmm. How do you and and so you know sometimes people say it. Uh, they say it quickly and they say it flippantly. Um, I don't think that's the way that it's intended. Sometimes that's just the way that it can be heard. But if God did not spare His own Son. Mm-hmm. Why would I think that I deserve to be spared? The Apostle Paul talked about sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings, that there's something, there's something, there's a way to experience Jesus in that that's incredibly meaningful. Mm. And there's a way in which he has seen in our life that is also deeply meaningful. Now, I think a counterfeit version of understanding that is trying to manufacture suffering. Um, that that's not how that works. But as it comes, just saying Jesus. I don't get it, but I get you and I trust you no matter what comes. Whatever you want to do in this, I'm yours. I live for your kingdom, not for my
1: own. Well, that ties in really well with the quote that you pulled in from the commentary, Yeah, uh, Karen Job's commentary, outstanding commentary on the book of 1 Peter. If she, someone's looking for an academically robust commentary, that's this right. is a wonderful commentary. She is
0: brilliant. Mm. She's great. And if uh, anybody ever gets a chance to meet her, pass on this compliment to her from me, congratulations on your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. I've learned so much. I It's It's great.
1: The, the quote that you you pulled in here: Christians can bear any disadvantage now because of the certainty of their internal inheritance. And that's that's an amazing that's right. quote. And uh, and what a hopeful thing yeah. for any suffering that we're facing in the here and now, knowing that this is this, this is, is minuscule compared eternal, to the eternal weight of glory.
0: It's it's certain and it's coming. And um, this is this is tiny. This mm. is so tiny compared to that.
1: So in the meantime with our identity driving our activity, mm-hmm. at the end of 1 Peter, we're called to love one another. Yeah. And you, you talked about That's some the personal experience with seeing people that are doing that and, and the joy church, of being in small beautiful, groups doing that. Yeah, there
0: are beautiful, beautiful pictures of that, of people in our church doing that, and I want people to know that. <laughs> I want people to experience that. Whenever uh, whenever I meet people in the lobby or are out at the grocery store or whatever, and people let me know that they're new to Autumn Ridge, one of my first questions is, do you have any friends? Have, do you have any friends here yet I love uh helping people find environments where friendships can blossom mm-hmm. uh we're de- we're we're made for community we're designed uh the Christian life is designed to be experienced in community and I want that for
1: folks-hmm why why do you think it is that, that that's how Peter's wrapping up this whole concept with it really is kind of tying in with this idea of love each other
0: yeah you know I mean Jesus, when Jesus was telling these amazingly impactful stories. Peter was there. Like Peter looked him in the eye. He saw he saw Jesus's facial expressions and his mannerisms and and he heard the tone of voice when Jesus would tell stories like the good Samaritan. And mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Listen, the most most important rule is to love God with all of who you are, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Um, we see the, the, the Apostle Paul, he understood, he said the entire law is is summarized in this, love your neighbor as yourself. Peter, God, everything comes down to love. It is love God and to, and to love others. And so if we're going to be holy, that's what holy means. Mm. It means to love God, and it means to... And it means to love others. It's so interesting. It's so interesting that as Christians, when we think about holiness, we're prone to think about rules instead of relationship. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But it's love. It's are we loving God in the way that he defines it? And are we loving other people in the way that he defines it?
1: We talked in the beginning of this episode about our identity and the discipleship question that goes along with that, this idea of, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself? Mm-hmm. But you have a good discipleship question for the idea of our activity That's right. also.
0: And so let me just kind of cover all three. Our, our Church's mission statement is to, uh, we exist, uh, to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. What do we mean by that? We actually covered all three of those things in this sermon, mm-hmm. even if people didn't quite catch it. One is authority. I find joy in submitting to Jesus and His Word. Discipleship question is, who's in charge? And identity, I find joy in defining myself by what Jesus did, not what I do. The discipleship question is, what's the story I'm telling myself about myself? And now activity, I find joy in loving others the way Jesus loved me. And so the discipleship question there is, what does love require of me? Now, sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh, man, that sounds really loosey-goosey. We're not the ones who define what love is. Jesus is the one who defines what love is. So remembering that, what does it require of me in any and every situation that I'm in? And if I'm aiming at that, I may not be perfect all the time. I'm going to get it wrong, but man, I'm going to get it wrong aiming in the right direction.
1: Well, I'm excited to keep going in this direction of of pursuing our identity based in Christ and an activity that is marked by the way that he loved us so that we can love others well too.
0: All right, we'll dig into that more next week. Looking forward to it.